0: that you're here today. If you're watching online, we're so glad that you've joined us. Uh, My name is Bill Small, and I am uh, one of the associate pastors here at Woodlawn, and I'm also the worship pastor here, and so I'm uh, director of music, all the music in the church, and uh, so I am, like Carmen, in awe of this band uh, that I get to sit out and actually enjoy just worshiping and letting them lead me today. What a great team we have. Let's give them another hand for that. Well, it's good to be here today, and today it's my privilege to share with you that this is the first day of a new series called Relationship Goals, and we're going to be talking about Christ-centered relationships. So take your Bible or your Bible app. I have my Bible. I also have my Bible app. So take one of those and uh, turn to Genesis chapter 2 and hold your finger in there. If you need to, look it up in the table of contents. It's the first book in the Bible. Okay, so as you look that scripture up today, I want to share with you a, a, just kind of a paraphrase of the story. You see, Adam was wandering around, and he was very much alone, and, and God saw this and, and recognized that he was lonely. And so he came down and he said, Adam, Adam, look, I'm going to create for you this being, and she's going to be incredible. She's, she's going to be awesome she's going to be perfect we're going to call her woman and and she's going to she's going to wash for you she's going to clean for you she's going to give you shoulder rubs all the time she she's just going to love on you and she's going to wash your car when you have one and uh, she just she's just going to she just if you want her to build a fire she'll go build a fire for you she's not going to talk back to you and, 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 and I said this is awesome this is incredible i need to help mate. what's it going to cost me and he said an arm and a leg. And so he says, what can I get for a rib? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the, the comfortable laugh, the uncomfortable one. Laugh. <laughs> All right. So we're going to be talking about week number one today, which is being Christ-centered. And Craig Rochelle describes it in this way. Being Christ-centered, Is a lot different than just calling yourself a Christian. You can have two people in one marriage that call themselves Christians, and just because you call yourselves Christians does not mean that you're Christ centered in the way that you live. Our mission at Woodlawn is to leverage everything, everything to make transformed followers of Jesus Christ. When this happens, we can see incredible ideas and ministries being birthed by the giftings and talents of those who follow Jesus and make him the center of their lives. Now, in the following weeks, we're going to be talking about what it means to be mission-driven. When we're we're Christ-centered, it's natural we become mission-driven because Jesus was focused on the poor, orphans, and widows as well as the sick. When we're mission-driven, our hearts break for what breaks Jesus' heart. The third week, we're going to talk about being devil-kicking. And Groeschel says it this way. We need to understand we're in a spiritual battle. And our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of this dark world. Now, if you go and look in Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about putting on the armor of God. And there's a reason for that. The reason is, is because we are in a spiritual battle Every day, so we need to be Christ centered. The fourth week, we're going to talk about being covenant keeping because marriage is a holy covenant, not a contract. We make vows together to keep for a lifetime. A contract is about keeping rules, and a covenant is about keeping vows. We want to be covenant keeping people when we're Christ centered. Now, I'm going to give you all four of those one more time it's Christ centered. Mission driven, devil kicking and covenant keeping. Say that with me. Christ-centered, mission-driven, devil kicking, and covenant keeping. Now some of you are thinking right now, I'm not married, so how does this apply? And others are thinking, I'm so glad I brought my spouse. They really need they really need to hear this message. Turn to your spouse or your friend next to you and say, You really need to hear this today. <laughs> You know, that was just lame, y'all. That was just like, you really
1: need to hear listening. <laughs> All
0: right, for those of you that don't know me that well, my wife is Sylvia, and she's also the director of the Child Development Center here at Woodlawn. And recently, we facilitated a Bible study uh, by Jimmy Evans called Marriage on the Rock. And here are some quotes from his book, The Right One, How to Successfully Date and Marry the Right Person. Love is a deliberate and determined act of the will. There is nothing idle or passive about it. It doesn't wane or fail when life gets tough. It only grows stronger and more resolved. It's the bond that keeps your relationship from drifting when every storm in the ocean is raging to tear you apart. It's the one thing you can depend on when all of life seems bent on getting you down. And then Evans says this, God's love is steady and relentless. It is unchanging and unconditional. It is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God's love is agape love, the kind of love that says, I'm going to stay true to you until the end of time, no matter what you do, no matter how I feel, no matter how strained our relationship becomes I will never leave you nor forsake you. You are mine and I am yours. And our relationship is an eternal one. When love between two people becomes unconditional and Christ-centered, it becomes like God's love. The same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I would love to tell you that Sylvia and I have a perfect marriage. (laughs) We don't. She married me. But we do have unconditional Christ-centered love for each other. Sometimes Sylvia's idea of a day off is to stay in bed, watch Hallmark, and eat snacks while I'm outside loading the hiking equip- equipment or loading the, the kayaking equipment, the biking stuff. And and and, and that's my way of... of Taking a day off. Is our marriage imperfect? Absolutely. In 2015, Sylvia was diagnosed with cancer, breast cancer. If there were a time in our marriage we needed to be most Christ-centered, that was the time. We've even grown more in our faith and marriage toward Christ since then. Through her time of difficulty with the side effects of chemo and the pain of medicine to help her grow blood cells, we never lost hope. Our small group in Woodlawn poured out so much love and prayers, food, kind words, and financial support. It was as if our marriage, along with our small group, and along with Woodlawn Church, were incredibly Christ-centered together. It was powerful. Going through that difficult time in our marriage has only made our faith stronger. Today, Sylvia is in her fifth year of healing. Amen? Amen. We, continue, we continue to praise God for her healing and well-being. It was through this experience we know there was resolve for our imperfect marriage. It's through our imperfections we are made stronger. Does that sound familiar to you? There's a scripture that talks about in our weakness, we are made stronger. It's our gifting, talent, abilities, and imperfections that make our marriage unique and pleasing to God. If you were to look at us through the lenses of the weekly topics of relationship goals, then we could ask these questions and find some really good answers about Sylvia and me. Are we Christ-centered? Yes. By submitting to each other out of love with a desire to help the other be successful, we are Christ-centered. We pray together. We definitely ask God about all our decisions in life, especially impacting our children, our grandchildren, our extended family and friends. We attend small group together. We do everything together, including the spiritual. And yes, Sometimes we bike, hike, and kayak together, and sometimes we watch Hallmark together because it's what pleases her, and I want to please her. Are we mission minded? Yes, it comes naturally when we're Christ centered. We love serving with Woodlawn, and we love serving in our community together. Are we devil kicking? Absolutely. Nothing gives us more pleasure than to kick the devils. Absolutely we're devil kicking. <laughs> <laughs> What's well, funny was it? <laughs> Are we covenant keeping? Yes. We're committed to living in covenant with each other until death do us part. So today let's focus on... On having a relationship that is Christ-centered. Now, in order for us to be in a relationship that is Christ-centered, we need to understand what Christ-centered truly means. We're going to watch a video together, and it's called Drift. It's put on uh, or it's it's by weekend to remember, which is put on by Family Life Ministries. And so, if you want to know more about Family Life Ministries, go to their website, check them out. Let's watch this video.
2: A step for every dinner you didn't eat together at the table this week. If either of you would say that work hours or work stress can be a barrier to enjoying time in marriage, take four steps forward. If you feel like your marriage has fallen into a bit of a rut, The cell phone is a distraction in your relationship. Did you go to bed at different times any night this week? Feel like life has gotten hectic and a bit overwhelming? Do either of you take your cell phone to bed at night? Did you go on an intentional scheduled date this week? Life is managing you more than you're managing your own life. Okay, you can both turn around. When you see the distance, of what one word comes to your mind? Alone, because we're really separated, really far apart. Sad. Sad? Why is that? Life.
0: A uh, challenge. All right, let's get closer, whatever we got to do.
2: Sad, because I want to be close to him. Doesn't seem like we would be, like the distance would be there, but... Look like a tunnel long kind tunnel. Of seems so far away and so small. You really don't think about how far apart you are with all of the things that life throws at you until you quantify it in a moment like this. Would either of you like to get together and put together a strategy so that cell phones are not a distraction a relationship at all? Take two steps forward. Would either of you like to put together a vision for your marriage and get on the same page and work toward it? Would either of you like to grow in both praying together and praying for each other? Would either of you like a better atmosphere in the home that's full of grace and peace? Would either of you like to learn to say no to some things so that you can be together as a family more often?
0: You know, most weeks I'm standing at this position right here, and at the end of the service, I talk to you about Jesus and, and how sometimes we say that phrase, that we feel so far away from him, or he feels like he's just distant from us. But I'd like you to consider that in that video, while it's great for married couples to see, it's great for singles to see how things can get out of, out of hand with a marriage. What I'd really like for you to do is, rather than putting a spouse back-to-back with you, I'd like you to put for just a second Jesus back-to-back with you in that moment. And every time you're asked to take a step further, Jesus doesn't move. We move the distractions that take us away from him. He doesn't carry a cell phone. He doesn't need one. And we just get further and further away until we begin to remove the distractions, until we become more Christ-centered, until we look at Jesus and say, I want more of you and less of me. Until you say to Jesus, I want you to be the focus of my life come right back to him. Because you see, here's what Satan, the enemy, wants to do. He does want to distract us. These distractions in life can separate us from each other and from a Savior who loves us deeply. Some distractions are imposed on us and others we impose on ourselves. Either way, did you notice how isolated and alone the people in the video felt when they were their furthest apart? You see, this is the plan of the enemy. He wants to divide and conquer. He doesn't want Jesus to be the focus and the center of our lives. He wants to destroy marriages. He wants to destroy families. He comes Scripture says to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, there are opportunities to be able to grow stronger in our faith. There's one coming up in in August called Adventures in Marriage. It's an opportunity to help marriages become stronger and more Christ centered so we can develop Christ centered practices to protect our marriages. And you'll see more about this in the coming weeks. Advertising it. I hope you'll sign up those of you that are married couples and register for it For those recovering from the difficulties of divorce we're going to be launching divorce care in August It's a 13 week series. That's going to be on Wednesday nights from 5 o'clock to 7 p.m. And then you can always join celebrate recovery right here in this very room as a source of healing for your life. CR is every Thursday, year-round. So come join us for some great worship with this band and some teaching and some healing discussion. Now, some of you who are single are probably asking at this point in this, now, why why am I here listening to someone talk about a Christ-centered marriage? You're the ones who actually are positioned best for a sermon like this. You see, you're the ones who actually... Before getting married can get your life centered around Christ. Becoming Christ-centered before entering into a lifelong covenant relationship can actually prepare you for a successful Christ-centered marriage that will beat the odds of the divorce rate in this nation. Therefore, let's dig into what the Lord wants us to hear about focusing on Him in our singleness and in our marriage relationships. So let's go to Genesis Chapter 2. We're going to read verse 18 and we're going to jump to 21 and 24. And it says this. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone for my bone and flesh for my flesh, and she will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now let's look at Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 37. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, now let's say this all together. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. You see, the chapter in Genesis is basically saying that God created us for relationship. God says it's not good for man to be alone, so we're supposed to be in relationship. God created marriage for one man and one woman and for each other to be in relationship with Jesus. We're supposed to be in relationship with a community of believers like Woodlock, followers of Jesus, so we can love one another and hold each other accountable to living a kingdom-oriented lifestyle, placing God first in everything. We're just built for relationship, y'all. Now, with that that in mind, some of you who are single out there may be thinking, I'm not getting married. There may be some others out there who are divorced or widowed and thinking, I don't want to do that again. You can still be Christ-centered and have a fruitful relationship with Jesus without being married. In fact, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, singleness is a great thing. Let me say that again. Singleness is a great thing. So feel good about your singleness and celebrate it. Now, there are those who are on the hunt for the one. Oh, the one. He's going to be perfect. He's going to have a head full of hair. It's not funny. Or she is going to rival the world of professional models. He's going to be a hunter-gatherer and yet want to spend every waking moment with me and watch Hallmark. (laughs) She's going to hang on every word I say and will support my career ambition to live with my parents until I'm in my 40s. Okay, if you're 40 and still living with your parents, (laughs) good luck out there. I'm just saying. Now, here's a truth, bomb I'm going to drop on you. There's no such thing as the one. I'm sorry to disappoint you. Unless. Do you remember the title to Jimmy Evans' book I quoted a while ago? It's called The Right One. However, Groeschel says this. In a Christ-centered marriage, Jesus is your one and your spouse is your two. Of course, you may not want to go broadcasting. You're looking for number two out there. Somebody may suggest a bran muffin or some oatmeal. So, but let the one in your life be Jesus. Yeah, that was funny, wasn't it? <laughs> it takes a minute sometimes. Huh? In Matthew, Jesus is asked, which is the greatest commandment in the law? His response is perfect. What did he say? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. There's nothing greater than this. He's saying be Christ-centered. Being Christ-centered means that we believe Jesus has secured for us a future in eternity. It means we can live in humility and confidence. It means we know that one day we'll be at the epicenter of majesty and glory beyond our comprehension. But it also all belongs to him. That is hope enough enough to sustain us right now. And it will satisfy us forever. Amen? Here's the point. In order to be Christ-centered, either in singleness or in a marriage relationship, there is one thing we all must do. I could tell you a hundred things to do. That list could go on and on about how to live a Christ-centered life. However, out of that huge list of things, there's only one thing that really stands out, and it's this. Prayer. In your singleness, you've got to pray. Pray. In your marriage relationship or even in your friendships, you've got to pray. It's simple. Even if you don't pray very much other than for dinner, you can start now. Keep it simple. You don't have to speak the king's language. Just speak from your heart. If prayer isn't a part of your daily routine in order to be Christ-centered, then this is how you start. And you need to start today. And you don't need to wait. Keep it short. If you don't know how to pray, just keep it short. You can say a blessing before the meal. Lord, thank you for this food. That's it. You can even thank him after you eat. Lord, that was delicious food. Thank you for that. Maybe you just need to pray with your spouse or with your um significant other, you know, those that you're maybe you just have a friendship. Jesus help us center our relationship around you. Keep it short. But then keep it consistent. You see, once you begin to pray over your meals, it becomes natural. I even pray in the restaurants. People notice. And it's not to brag that you're praying. It's to simply say, I honor God before I honor myself. makes a difference. Every now and then somebody will come and thank me say, I noticed y'all praying. I just want to thank you for that. It gives people hope when you pray. Pray about a friend. Pray about an event. Pray about a conversation. Pray about a difficult presentation at work or a new job interview. Even when you hear bad news, stop. Pray. And when you get consistent with it, then all of a sudden you'll realize there's a scripture that talks about pray without ceasing. And when we get into the habit of praying over everything, then we begin to speak with joy rather than complain because we're always praying. (laughs) you know and it's okay to complain to God. David did it, King David. Pray, keep it consistent. Groeschel says this, if you miss a day, don't miss two. Don't go two more two days or more without your consistent prayer time I and mean, he's right about that. But if you get to where you're praying over everything, you will not want to miss A day of prayer. But I have a prayer for you. Rochelle gave us this prayer. If you'd like a copy of it, you can contact the office this week and we'll see that you get it in your hands. If you just need something to help you learn to pray, it's this one. It's works. Say it with me. Dear God, give us wisdom and clear direction in all we do today. Help us to show your love to each other and shine your light into the world. Keep us close to you, away from temptation, and always in your will. In Jesus' name, amen. So there you go. Just pray. Pray to become Christ-centered, mission-minded, devil-kicking, and covenant-keeping. I told you earlier, I told you earlier, I told you earlier, it's vocal one. I told you earlier that I'm a musician in the church here. Okay, and you're going to have to unmute the guitar too.
1: Thank you. I am a musician
0: in the church, and so I'm not a great preacher. I'm not even a great musician, but it's the only thing I know to use, to share with you. In closing with this, is a little bit of music. There's a song that was written back in the late 80s. actually became Song of the Year in 1990 called Where Have You Been? sung by Kathy Matea. It's actually her husband, John Vesner, wrote the song about his grandparents. If you've heard the story, the song is, is about the time that both of the grandparents were actually in the hospital. The grandfather was, was up on a, on a floor and just kind of suffering some, from old age and some illnesses and things that were going wrong with his body. And uh, the grandmother was on a different floor and she was suffering from dementia to the point that she didn't recognize her circumstances or her surroundings and she just got to a place where she stopped talking altogether. And Matea tells the story this way. She said that, that John was, was talking about how he went upstairs to see his grandfather one day and, and um, asked the nurse if he had been wheeled down to see the grandmother. And the nurse said no. And he said, well, is that something we could do? And the nurse said, of course. So they put him in a wheelchair and they wheeled him down to see the grandmother. And, and they wheeled him up to her and he started stroking her hair. And he he just said, nobody. Nobody has hair like grandma. And about that time, she opened her eyes up and she looked at him and she saw him and she recognized him. And she said, where have you been? And So John Vesner wrote this song about that and Matea said, I couldn't believe how vulnerable he became with his grandparents in that moment by singing this song. Mm-hmm.
1: Claire had all but given up when she and Edwin fell in love. She touched his face, shook his head in disbelief. She sighed and said, in many dreams I've held you near. Now at last, You're really here. Where have you been? I've looked for you forever and a day. Where have you been? I'm just not myself when you're away. He asked her for her hand in life. She became a salesman's wife He was home each night by eight But one stormy evening he was late Her frightened tears fell to the floor Until his key turned in the door When you're away, they never spent a night apart for sixty years. She heard him snore. Now they're in a hospital in separate beds on different floors. Claire soon lost her memory Forgot the names of family She never spoke a word again Then one day they wheeled him in He held her hand and stroked her hair in a fragile voice, she said, Where have you been? I've looked for you forever in the day. Where have you been? I'm just not myself when you're away. I'm just not myself when you're away.